0: Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode is a very special bonus episode where we're looking at the 2022 Netflix German epic anti-war film All Quiet on the Western Front or in German and apologies. <laughs> in Western Nix Nuez. It's directed by Edward Berger. It stars Felix Kamira, Albert Schrech, and Daniel Bruhl. I'm Jesse. I'm writing here solo, and I'm very, very excited to talk about this one. So if you don't know the story of this one, or have never heard of this one, or want to check it out, make sure you give us a pause, come back a bit later on, uh, because I'm going to go into a bit of depth about this Oscar-nominated film for this award season uh, as recording in 2023. We do start the show with a fast flicks where i do a quick little summary of what the film is all about so this one is a gritty film highlighting the horrors of war and the impact it has on humanity let's let's look at how this film ended up on netflix or or what we know about the making of this film so realistically this is a very well-known story i think most people would know of the novel uh titled All Quiet on the Western Front, it's a classic German novel and there's a classic film that actually won Best Picture at the Oscars way back in the 1930s, so this is the third rendition of the book, with the other two being the Academy Award winning Best Picture from 1930, and there was like a TV version from 1979 as well, which is a bit less lesser known. This, um, I guess the story, the book that it's based on, um, was inspired by Erch Maria Remark's Own experiences as a German soldier in World War One, and it's notable for its realistic depiction of the horrors of battle and the trouble that soldiers face during and even after fighting at the war as well. I've sort of touched on this anyway, but it's it's important to note that this is the official submission of Germany for the Best International Feature Film at the 95th Academy Awards in 2023. So these awards have not been announced yet, but are upcoming, and I guess there's a bit of buzz around this film, and part of the reason why I thought I'd jump on and and do a bonus episode on this film because this has 18 wins so far from award ceremonies with another 81 nominations. That includes 14 nominations at the upcoming BAFTAs and nine at the Academy Awards, including Best International Feature, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Original Score, Best Sound, Best Visual Effects, Best Adapted Screenplay, Cinematography, Production Design, and that big award, best picture. So this film is doing pretty well. Um, And we can probably talk a little bit about the critical consensus and what people are saying about it. And on Rotten Tomatoes, where we have our average of critics, it sits at a 92% on 135 reviews. That is fresh, fresh, fresh. The audience also extremely high. It sits at 90% on more than 1,000 reviews. So these are big numbers. And as we head a little bit further into some more, I mean, these are huge numbers for a Netflix original film. At IMDb, it sits on a 7.8 out of 10 on 123,000 ratings. And this one shocked me for Letterboxd. Letterboxd, it sits at a four out of five on 188,000 reviews. Absolutely huge numbers that we don't often see for for films that we cover on this podcast. It is um, important to mention though that this film has received a bit of criticism in Germany for departing too far from the novel, which obviously is considered a bit of a classic in Germany. Um, there, there's this parallel storyline that's not in the book that we see in the film, uh, which follows the, the armistice negotiations during the war, which I'll probably touch on in some of the scenes that I enjoyed. But that's why it's uh, received a little bit of Um, You know, criticism across Germany, but overall I think this film has been pretty well received. It was released on the 12th of September in 2022 at the Toronto International Film Festival before playing a variety of festivals across the world. It had a cinematic short limited release from the 7th of October 2022 before hitting Netflix worldwide on the 28th of October in 2022 translations across the world. So in German, I mentioned in the title, the title, um, in Western Nix Nutz, it means nothing new in the West. That's the literal translation. In Spanish, this is called no news at the front. In French, it's in the West, nothing is new. In Hungarian, in the West, the situation is unchanged. In Japanese, it's no abnormalities on the Western front. In Polish, no change in the West. And Arabic, it's All is Quiet on the Western Field. So all similar sorts of titles and, you know, very similar titles uh, to a bunch of other countries as well, which I've just left off because this had a huge list of translations. Uh, This was filmed in and around the Czech Republic and parts of Germany from March to May of 2021. I think they had this huge, big field in the Czech Republic, which uh, sort of gave them the space to build these trenches and some of these huge battle scenes that you do see uh, throughout this film, which is... I mean, you've got to check it out if you haven't seen it. I guess that's the best way to say it, but that will lead me into my early thoughts for this film. I think this is beautifully put together. Uh, the execution is is near perfect. It, the, it is an excessive runtime, though. Uh, it didn't phase me, but I'm not quite sure if it adds anything new idea-wise to war films that we've seen before. It's nothing groundbreaking, just in the visuals and just in the... I guess it's almost like an update of, you know, making a film about war look as good as it possibly can with the technology that's available at this day um, and time and age. i going to talk about some characters. So this one, there's really two main characters that we follow throughout this film. And, and our main protagonist is Paul. He's, he's this young, educated kid, but he you know he wants to do what's right for his country, which is Germany, alongside his friends, Krug, um, Franz and Ludwig. They have real unrealistic views on what war is. But Paul, he, you know, he he has, like, these qualities that sort of show us he's a good guy throughout. He isn't the guy who can brutally kill someone or, or finish them off straight away. And we see this sort of with the, the guy he has to kill to survive in this ditch. Uh, he tries to stop the bleeding. You know, he gets or drinks him and gives him some water to drink and he sort of collects the photos of his family and says, you know, I'll get these back to you. And so it sort of shows us that, that insight to him as a character. And obviously all of these characters had no idea what they were actually signing up for, like the realities of war and, and what was actually happening on the Western Front was was nothing compared to the celebrations we see or the, the enthusiasm for, for getting on board and fighting for your country. Um, the other character that I think you need to mention is Kat. And he is... Sort of like this older mentor type character who's out on the field already once Paul and his friends arrive and sort of takes Paul under his wing. He's he's a fair bit older than Paul, but the two become really good friends. Uh, And we find out though that, you know, at home, Kat, he's got a wife, he's had kids. um, he's He's a shoemaker at home. So he doesn't have the education side that Paul has. But, um, you know, we see the differences that, you know, humanity, what humanity is, you can be friends with anyone no matter what. Even if Paul can't read or write, it, sorry, Cat can't read or write, it doesn't matter. These guys are in this situation they never thought they'd be in and they adapt and they look out for each other. And it was quite a nice friendship to see develop across the screen, especially when they're separated at times. And and when they reunite, it's really, really quite sweet. Uh, I can't really talk about any other characters I think the, the main things that I sort of mentioned That were different from the other versions of this story Were the, the leaders that we see Sort of talking it out And really we have two main leaders I think it was um, Friedrichs and Erzberger um, Friedrichs being this this leader That's fight You know, I'm a soldier War, we need to win No matter what and the other um Erzberger is more a diplomatic sort of guy that's wanting to end the war can see the the dangers the issues the no resolution and wants to help solve this issue so they were just sort of there to to show the different points of view or the different roles that leaders can play in wartime situations uh the director Edward Berger is German director this is obviously a German story but the first sort of German film adaptation of this film He's got 22 directing credits, so quite a, a, a good catalogue of work, but mainly in German um, TV and and some film as well. So I meant to talk about some scenes. So what, what are the ones that, uh, that stood out for me? And I think that realistically, the, the cinematography f- throughout this film, the transitions between the nature and the horizons and the shots of woods and... You know, the transition straight into the horrible shots of war. I thought these were done really well throughout. Really, really, really impressive. Thoroughly enjoyed those. Uh, talking about scenes, I guess I think that this there's a scene where Paul and Kat are sort of sitting on the toilet together, and I really like the discussion between the two because it gave us that insight into Kat, his family, and then also the trauma that he's thinking of when he gets home you know all he's known for these years is the battlefield and what's going to happen is this transition back into life going to work for him uh and and another sort of thing that i enjoyed in this the the cuts between the leaders of the war those doing the diplomatic talking um they're on the train they're in these big palaces enjoying good food Drinks, cigarettes, and then they contrast this really nicely through the cuts and transitions with the battlefield. Um, you know, the the soldiers stopping in the middle of a, of killing people to eat and drink whatever's been left over, just scoffing it down while there's explosions going around. And that was just really well done. Um, and I thought I thought a really good addition to to add, seeing as this this um, you know the discussion between the leaders about the armistice hasn't been included in anything else. I thought that was a really nice touch in this. The only thing that I didn't really like in this one. I know some people think this is really effective, but the soundtrack, the, the synthesized soundtrack that cut in at times, it was really off-putting to me. I, it, it reminded me of uh, the Gallipoli film from the 1970s with Mel Gibson, where you know they had the, the, the World War I ideas with this modern sort of soundtrack. But this time around, it sort of took me out of the era and the time of, of what I thought I should have been feeling. So not quite effective for me, but I know that it probably does work uh, for a lot of people. Themes and ideas. What are some themes and ideas in this one? I think the realities of war, the horrors, the death, of trauma. These are all really highlighted well throughout this war, and it goes in with that anti-war message that I spoke about. Like, how is any of what we see on screen worth dying for? It doesn't make sense because we've got this disparity between those leading the war and those on the battlefield, which was highlighted in those scenes that I mentioned too, and and the human condition too. Like, you know, the idea of safety, food, this idea of looking after an insect in a box, um, and and life, and what does that mean? Um, but then. Again, that idea of nationalism too, you know, doing what you can for your country, um, honour. And, and But that contrast to it, youth, like, gung-ho jumping into things with no worries, no concerns, without actually knowing what's going on. It was, it's quite um, quite a sad thing to see. All right, what did I take away from this one? I think, you know, like I said before, it's amazingly put together. Um, great, great practical and special effects throughout the battle scenes. I think this would have been amazing on the big screen. I think with what is going on, in ukraine at the moment it felt a little bit weird that to see and this is like at the start of the film to see young people could be so celebratory and enthused about a war that was that really stood out to me uh questions and like just questions or things i thought we could ponder like realistically world war one a hundred years ago is this you know do we still need world war one stories on the screen you know, 1917 only came out a couple of years ago as well um like, is it time for us to show some more current war stories, to make it more relatable to the type of warfare that we're facing today? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But obviously this film still connects and the story still connects. Um, and I guess the idea too, there's a scene... Uh, who was the character's name? I think his name was Franz. He sort of, during the middle of a of a um, pause in battle, he um, befriends a woman and he gets a scarf as a momentum. And I think that it was interesting that we saw... Um, that scarf sort of passed down throughout soldiers as they sort of unfortunately um passed away and we had the idea that at the end uh Paul had this scarf on and this soldier sees Paul and takes the scarf but doesn't take his dog tags which we'd seen the soldiers do throughout this film so why did they choose to have that soldier take the scarf and not Paul's dog tags I don't know I'm not sure like whether this is a, a different interpretation to take maybe that you know Paul um Paul, <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Like the the idea of those dog tags. So does Paul's family not know that he's passed away because they never get his tag? So are they going through trauma back at home, not knowing or thinking that he's still alive somewhere? I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to interpret that. But if anyone knows, please let me know. Because um, I'm ready to wrap this up. We give the film a rating out of five. For me, I think, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure I know or understand or, or can think of why we needed another version of this story. We we already have an, an Oscar Best Picture winning film for the same story. Like, But this is, a, it's a great film. But I, I don't know, it could have been done with an original story or with more of a female presence, but it's still a great film and it's still impactful. The messages are still the same. It's just done in a more modern way with with really you know excellent technology that we have. So I'm giving this a four out of five. Worth a watch. It is does have a long runtime though. So uh, keep that in the back of your mind if you do decide to uh, check it out. We've got socials. We've got Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Give us a follow, give us a like if you can. My question on social this week is, have you seen the original 1930s film of All Quiet on the Western Front? Um. I remember studying it at school. That's the last time I saw it though. So probably about 20, 25 years ago. Um, and I remember thoroughly enjoying it when we were studying World War One. So have you seen it? And what are your thoughts? As always, thanks for keeping me company. We have a huge back catalog that uh, we recommend you check out. 250 plus episodes of Netflix original film. So give us a search. We've probably done an episode on a Netflix film that you like. As always, our episodes are out on a Wednesday and we will be back then.